thinking, say, oh, I forgot to get my dad anything. Oh, I forgot to do this. I want to tell you what dads, dads, what a dad wants. If you just show up, you can have a piece of toilet paper that says Happy Father's Day, and you have just made his day. So don't panic on this stuff. Uh, we fathers have a, a very simple list when it comes to Father's Day. So enjoy the weekend. If you have a big cookout, enjoy it and stuff like that. But don't panic. If you say, I don't think my dad's going to like this present. Trust me. Your dad don't. It's coming from you. It don't make any difference what it is. It don't make it. In fact, the best present is you. So just remember that. All right. So now, Jim, I, me and you talked in, uh, pretty good this past week about the things that you've seen going on that's heat-related. And we have covered a lot of stuff on heat-related. I talked to Mike Parker. Uh, from Parker Automotive, and I asked him what he's seeing with the heat, and he pretty much agrees with what my shop is seeing with the heat, what Brian's shop is, see, uh, is seeing with the heat, and what you as a tow truck driver and picking them up on the side of the road have seen with the heat. Now, before I get started into this, uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. They're at 4425 West Ina Road. Seven four four forty four fifty four. They're behind Jiffy Lube and a car wash. This is the real deal. If you have a collision, you take it over and you get it fixed. You know, just call them at seven four four forty four fifty four. If it's if it's crashed, you call seven four eight eleven hundred, which is Frontier Towing, and they'll pick it up and deliver it over there. All you need is a claim number or a report number. Give them that number, give them your insurance company number, and they will handle it from there. There's a lot of camera work that has to go in on these plastic vehicles when you splatter the front end. Something that looks so simple, you say, oh, nothing happened. Uh, no, well, it's just, it wrinkled the front end just a little bit. Well, let me tell you what about the rest of the stuff. We live in a place called Arizona in Tucson <laughs> that has a lot of UV in the sun. I have one of those big plastic arenas that is guaranteed for life. It has done cooked all of the liquid out of those pl hard plastic parts that are guaranteed for life. If you smack it with your fist, it'll probably knock a hole in it. So that's what it does to the plastic retainers and the plastic components on the cars when you, it looks like, oh, I only bumped it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't believe that. Get it into somebody that knows what they're looking at, can take care of it, can give the the pictures to the insurance company to prove their case, and uh, get this thing done right. That would be Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision seven four four forty four fifty four. All right, Jimbo. We both have seen and heard a lot of stuff since this weather's gotten up. We broke, uh, I think, 52 days in a row or something like that of records for hot weather. All right? Now, before we get started in on our stuff, there's a triple A predicted the volume uh, expected to rise 4.1% over last year for July the 4th. July the 4th is coming here pretty quick. I want to make sure that you're ready to go. 
This are why. Additional 1.9 million people plan road trips. That says addition, 1.9 million people plan road trips and vacations. 41.4 million Americans are expected to travel by car. That's a buttload of traffic on the road. Uh, Fourth of July is also the Fourth of July traffic is supposed to be the deadliest day on the road. Okay, Uh, seven driving tips to survive. Number one: follow basic safety practices. Number two: take preventive measures. Mechanical inspections of vehicle by trusted mechanics. Number three, play around, plan around with your trip, timing if possible. Number four, mind the gap, three seconds between vehicles. Number five, keep mind, keep your mind and eyes on the road. Remember I said look in the left mirror, the center mirror, and the right mirror after every song you listen to on the radio? That'll keep your head tuned in to what you're doing. Where you are going, know where you are going. Number seven, get plenty of rest. We've covered that. We'll probably cover it again as we go through these two hours of show today because there's a lot of stuff out there that we're seeing heat-related and driver related. All right, so that's my kickoff. Now it's your turn, Jim. What in the world are you seeing out there? Go ahead and start hitting some of the heat related stuff that you've seen on the road the past couple of weeks. Oh, well, we see a bunch of everything, but I want to visit your list. But you said something right now. So while while we're on the list of of the the things you're supposed to be doing. Um. You know, normally, Jerry, when you introduce me, you didn't do it today, uh, but you normally introduce me as I'm, ride, I'm riding shotgun. So Jim's riding shotgun with me. And when when you say I'm riding shotgun, what that means to me is that I watch for your, I watch your back to make sure that everything's going okay. <clears throat> this goes to the passengers in the car, the person sitting shotgun next to the driver. Now. As 44 million people more on the road on, on the 4th of July is a tremendously huge volume. 41 million. 41 That's million. a volume. Yep. So if you're, if you're driving, if you're driving with a, with that F-350 and the camp and the trailer behind you, that 37 foot, uh, car hauler, 37 foot toy hauler, uh, your travel trailer, driving a motorhome, it's all you can do to keep it on the road. Truck goes by. That thing wants to blow blow you off. That thing wants to. Uh, I think the the wind is is very hard. It all you can do to keep it on the road. It's the co-pilot's job or person riding shotgun to pay attention. What that means is that means that you have to keep your eyes on the road and watch out for the hazards that are going to pop up, just like the guy riding shotgun in the old west. That doesn't mean that you put your head down and watch your phone, watching TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is that you think you should be watching. No. Put your phone down, just like the driver does. You look up and you watch, you watch out a quarter of a mile out, 
you watch to the sides, you watch for any perils that might be coming, because you don't know where anything is going to come from. You watch the, the opposing traffic lanes, you watch, if you can see in the mirror, you watch behind you. I know you're going to have kids in the cars, so you got to watch them. But your job is to help that guy who's driving in the left seat keep his keep it on the road. So because it happens as you're as he's driving down the road, for example, he's looking in his mirror to make sure that there's nothing behind him. Well, that's two seconds. Two seconds is forever in a car. In a truck, it's 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 an eternity. You could in two seconds you could see something happening and alert the driver, and he could react. And, and prevent a collision, prevent a crash, prevent your whole weekend from going south. So, as yeah. Jerry was saying, pay attention. When you guys are out there with 41 more million people on the road, the guy who's driving shotgun needs to be paying as much attention to the road as the person in the driver's seat. Now, if you're driving shot, if you're driving by yourself, a little bit more challenging. You don't get a shotgun person, but I, with 41 more people, 41 more million people on the road, that means that there's going to be a bunch of families out there. So everybody needs to get home safe. So the guy riding the shotgun, get out, get out. You're you're part of the program. You you if the guy if your driver doesn't know where to go or you think you have the GPS, check the route. Look for road conditions. You can do that while, while you, if you want to look at your phone, check the road conditions. I'll tell you this slick little app that's on that, uh, ADOT has out. It's called AZ511. It, it lists all the roads in the state of Arizona. It lists all the mile markers. It lists all the traffic jams. It has the cameras up on, on for the roadways. It's really, really a neat little, neat little website. And you can jump on there real fast. It, it's, Kind of like Google, it uses Google stuff, but um, it's really kind of cool. gives you gives you a kind of routes that you want to take if you decide that you know that there's a, too much traffic and you want to reroute yourself. That's the co-pilot's job. Get up there and make sure that your driver has all has all of his attention on the road, so he can make sure that everybody gets to their place safe. That's that that's what I want to thing is, The other thing is. Uh, when we were traveling and and driving, we had this thing because we was running in about seven units together, and we would see somebody hit their brakes way up the road. See the brake light comes on. All right, that's probably a reason that they hit the brake lights. Uh, you don't want to be on top of it before you realize. Yeah, it was a reason they hit the brake lights. When you see a brake lights come on. I, I don't care if the person was dozing off and woke up and hit his brakes. There's still something going on. You have to be very mindful. If somebody hits the brakes in front of you, that brake light tells you it's time to get on the binders and you start paying attention because that brake check that that person gives you way up there probably means there was a reason for it. And so you want to be very mindful of the brakes and the brake lights. And you, you, there's nothing wrong with your co-pilot says, brake check, that means that somebody has hit a brake. And the brake lights have indicated that's your communication between vehicle to vehicle. You pay close attention to that because if you're pulling and towing a rig, or even if you're driving an 8,000-pound diesel, when you get see that brake light go on, you pay attention because that is letting you know that they are either stopping or there's something in the road that they had to break down the speed for 
but there's something going on. That's the conversation that you need to be well aware of that's going on without verbal. Somebody can holler, break check, you do the break check. I remember going across a, a big overpass down in El Paso, Texas, with towing 13, uh, 13 17,000 pounds. And <coughs> when we went across the top of that hill and down this little steep incline on the other side of this overpass, uh, I seen brake lights go on. Uh, and I just got on the CB and hollered, brake check. Everybody checked up. Sure enough, it, it, somebody had blew a tire and was off the side of the road. The lane was occupied. We couldn't get over. And we were running about 50 mile an hour at the time, but it gave us plenty of time. And it gave the guys behind me plenty of time instead of having to read my brake lights when they come on. Uh, just brake, just brake check. That's all you have to say. And then everybody pays attention. And that sure kept our butt out of the road. I mean, that's not the only time traveling in these big groups that we've had to yell brake check. And it don't make any difference who's leading. When you see a set of brake lights come on, you just tell them brake check. It don't make any difference. If he takes his foot off the brake two seconds later, you know that there was a reason somebody hit a brake up in front of us, so pay attention. It could be part of Jim's tow truck. <laughs> the the What do you call them, alligators on the road? Alligators. Big, uh, yeah, the recap that's come off. For your recap that's come off. <laughs> the cap has come off. And they're big. They can do a lot of damage if you hit them just right. They roll right up into your engine compartment and or the back of the engine compartment and just tear crap out of stuff going down because they got steel belts on the inside of them, most of them. So well, but, uh, well, that's just too. a, a br- but those Go ahead, Jim. They'll, they'll knock off your oil pan. I've seen them knock off oil pans, off cars. I've seen them dip fuel tanks on semi trucks. Uh, you're right. They, they, as you roll over them, they naturally are rolling round, so they kind of have this this pre this predetermined configuration of being in a round shape. They, and they roll right up underneath there. They get up in the suspension. They get up in transmission drive shaft. They'll ri- they'll wrap right around your drive shaft. It's it's a bad day, yeah. And you know when you said about people on the road, people stop for all kinds of reasons. Traffic slows up. Yep. I, we see traffic slow up all the time, and there's no there's no collision. There's nothing. There's no there's no cars on the side of the road. There's no police on the side of the road. There's no there's nothing, and yet the traffic just magically comes to a halt. And you have to be aware of that. Yep. And like like you said, Jerry, you're hauling you're hauling a truck with a with a big trailer behind you. You know you you don't do that 24 seven. You're it's not you're that's not your primary job. You do it four times a year, maybe. Eh, maybe you do it every weekend. But it, it, like us, we have to practice at driving, and we have to go out and train. We have to have to understand how scenarios are going to happen, so we can make sure we don't get in collisions. If you only do it once or twice a year. Well, you're not in very good practice, which means when you're driving, you 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 have to relearn all those things that you learned on the, your last trip, which was how to check the mirrors and how long it's going to take to stop, how how you know what what to look for. Yeah, but that time you get to the end of your trip, you're exhausted. I mean, I know I drive for a living, I get exhausted, but you're really tired because your stress is through the roof. And the last thing you need is somebody that's not helping you out there in your driver's seat. Or, like you said, if you're in a, con- a convoy full of people, you're trying to keep track of the other guys and everybody's trying to make sure that they all get there. 
that's even another stress level. So yeah, it's it's crazy out there. Yep. And I have seen just about everything. The other one is the uh, when you're running a travel trailer and you only tow it four times a year and you don't practice, and then you come into the construction zones that have the cones on the side of the road at eight foot between them, and you're towing, and it's a curvy road. You have got to drive 100% driver while you're driving that rig in order to get through without hitting a, a bucket on the side of the road that they're using as a cone or a cone or a uh, barrier. And you have to remember that you're towing and that you have a different clearance that you have to pay attention to. Fifth wheels and gooseneck trailers are different than a bumper pull. Uh, you have to remember that you it's just it's, it's in-depth. And if you're driving a car and you're following one of these bad boys, they may get to a spot where they say, okay, I'm going to have to kind of slow this thing down to about five miles an hour in this 25-mile-an-hour zone in order to get around. So when you see that big guy up there in front, don't start honking the horn. He's trying to get through there as safe as possible without having to stop that rig in that little bitty lane and hold up traffic for about 10 miles because he crashed. So... A lot of patience, a lot of a lot of forgiveness, uh, for lack of a better word, of the other driver while you're out. Remember that when the people are on the road, they're probably going someplace, and they'd like to get there also. So you're not the only one trying to get there. And if you work together, even with the other drivers that you've never met or seen or talked to, but if you just pay attention to the little things, like your mirrors, like your brake lights in front of you, and be mindful that there's probably a reason that somebody put those brakes on, and you want—you do not want to be the last person in the world to say, ah, oh, that was no reason for that. They'll just pull on out and go on. Keep in mind, if they put those brake lights on, they've broken the speed that you're actually traveling at. Now, that close ratio that's supposed to be about three seconds is going to be one second. And so they've got to build back up to speed before you get to that point. That's not going to happen, so you're going to have to break your speed, too. Take it off the cruise control and just pay attention. I do not put anything on cruise control in heavy heavy traffic. You know, unless I'm about a quarter of a mile behind somebody, then I'll put it on cruise control. But I need that thing right now. When I take a foot off the accelerator, it's got to go down. It don't need to maintain the speed. And that's, that's just a, a part of a second between your foot to the brake to disengage that cruise control. And then you can, you're ready for anything. And you've got to be ready for anything. Both wheels, both hands on the wheels. And you've got to be a full-time driver on these trips that you're taking on these holidays. And remember that what Jim's talking about, being tired. Being tired, it slows your reaction down. If the person in front of you is not paying attention to the brake lights in front of him, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, my God, they're stopped, and then he hits his brakes, that's when the crap starts happening. You don't have that notification. Nobody was paying attention. Your co-pilot didn't tell you that, oh, by the way, on up around there, I see a guy with his brakes on. And uh, so 
And just remember, that changes the speed of the traffic when they put those brake lights on. Because that means they're off the accelerator, they're on the brake, whether it be a second, whether it be two seconds, or whether they're actually stopping. So that is really, really critical when you're out there. Or somebody blew a tire. So you have to really pay attention to this stuff while you're driving. And this is not a joke. This is trying to get you out and get you back safe. Uh, based on a lot of running or doing rodeos and towing trailers and, and seeing a lot of traffic across the state of Arizona and New Mexico. Um, it, it's, it's just real, real. And keep in mind, the guy pulling a trailer is going to be working a little bit harder than you are driving that car that you, you know, the brand new car, the rental car, whatever, that you're cruising in. And plus, you don't have a clue what the condition of the cars are around you. You assume everything is perfect. Oh, yeah. And you assume if the speed limit is 75 that you've got to run at least 75 because you might be impeding traffic. The right lanes is for the people running whatever speed they want to, all the way to the right. The left lane all the way to the left is your speed lane. That's basically where people go to pass everybody on the right-hand side. That's fine. Let them go. The advantage of running in the right lane is you're already close to the shoulder. If something happens to you, okay, one, don't lock your brakes down because bad things happen when you do that. Bring it down slowly. Get off the accelerator. Bring it down. Turn on your emergency blinkers as fast as you can get the emergency blinker but you've got to control that vehicle. You don't need to waste your time turning on the emergency blinker when you got your hands full trying to hang on to the vehicle that you're driving. Okay? You can pump the brakes, and that the brake lights will uh, blink in the back and let people, hey, wake up, wake up. Believe it or not, that's why they put that center brake light up on top of the center of the rear windshield is to get your attention because people are used to looking down at brake lights all the time or tail lights all the time, and they don't, if you look away and look back and the brake lights are on and you're driving at night, you don't know if that's a brake light or if that's just a tail light and you went to sleep on the, at, at the job. So pay attention. This this really, really critical. All right, Jim, what do you want to add to that, buddy? So, uh, so those are all great points. Um, when um, I know this is probably the most difficult thing to do, you're driving down the road, the the traffic stops, you don't understand why. You want to get out of the car and, you know, jump up on your hood and see what the problem is. It'll be fine. It's going to be just fine. Relax. Don't get angry with the traffic. When you get angry with the traffic, because we see this, you get angry with the traffic, you become aggressive, you become frustrated, and then that's how mistakes occur. You, you're you're going to try and do something stupid like change lanes when you don't have enough room. You're going to try and get around somebody. You're, you're going to be riding their tail because they're not going fast enough. And they you don't see what's happening a quarter mile in front of you. They're, somebody stopped because they're, the guy in front of you stopped because five, 15 people in front of him have stopped. And what happens is as you get angry, you lose focus and you become frustrated, and then you lose your cool, and you can't make rational decisions, and then you have a crash. And now, as soon as you have that crash, 
you're there on the side of the road trying to figure out what you're going to do now. And I've been to many erect sites where people are still at the scene, and they're just like, well, I was just, I was just angry with the guy in front of me because the traffic wasn't going. I said, well, now where are we going? We're going to go, we're going to go to Iron Road Collision and get your car fixed because you're not going anywhere now. Hopefully you're not going to the hospital. So it's really important. I know it, and the heat even amplifies this to, to the nth degree. Keep cool. Keep cool head. Keep cool body. Keep your mind focused. You know, there, there's a, there's a, Techniques that, that drivers use, team drivers use. Um, and I didn't know this until I looked into it the other day. Jerry and I were discussing this. Uh, so they, um, team drivers, um, when they're up rolling together, they, uh, they make a game out of, out of driving. You know, they do kind of like the old I spy thing, you know, I spy a, 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 a speed limit sign, I spy something. So they, they make a game so that they can keep their mind relaxed and keep their, the cool, their head cool, because when you're driving a truck, trust me, you stop all the time. I, it takes forever to get the truck moving. It, it takes you only go so fast, and and there's always somebody who's going to be flying around you, cut in front of you, and hammer the brakes. Every single day as I drive, there's it's a truck. It's like it's like the four we call them four wheelers because you have four tires on your car versus an eighteen wheeler. So the four wheeler cuts in front of you and hammers the brakes. And there's no, there's no understanding. There's no reason. Why, why did you do that? There's, you, you didn't gain any ground and you didn't use the exit, but you got over in front of me and hit the brakes. Was that to be funny? Because if you think I can stop, you know, you're wrong. I can hammer, I can put on the brakes as hard as I want, but 80,000 pounds still takes a certain amount of time to stop. So when you're driving, you know, try to, to refrain from getting angry at the traffic. Because it's going to be out there. 41 more million people out there on the road, you bet there's going to be a lot of traffic. And it's going to be slow. And there's no great way. If it gets so bad that you can't, that you can't handle it, pull off. Pull off the side of the road. Go to the Dairy Queen. Go to, get, a, get an ice cream. Stop at the rest area. Take five minutes. Get out and walk around the car. I know that you, will, you might be five minutes later, but you'll only be five minutes later. You, might, you won't be never getting there. That's one of the things we see a lot of when we're on rec sites. So try and keep cool. Keep cool. Keep cool. Body. Keep cool. Your mind. Yep. If they, if you, if you waste time trying to figure out when that person cuts across in front of you and cuts you off, okay, he cut you off, uh, and you're sitting there and you're going, well, why'd they do that? That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. What are you doing? Are you taking care of business? Are you on your brakes? Are you stopping? Are you trying to to control the rig that you're actually in or the car that you're actually in? Or you're wasting your time trying to figure out that you will never figure out why this guy actually cut you off because you don't know him. He's headed down the freeway or he's headed down the road. He may be he may have a medical emergency. He could be a diabetic and flake out on you. You know, there you can't you don't have time to sit there and criticize that driver in front of you because that means you're taking the your time that you should be concentrating on driving and wasting it on somebody else's driving habits. So that's, that's another thing I've seen. The other thing that you're going to run into while you're out on the freeway, and I talked to Mike Parker, and he brought up a good thing the other day, and we were talking about heat in automobiles. 
Okay, if you're on, you're sitting in traffic, you're running one mile an hour, it's 140 degrees on the freeway, and you're sitting there watching your temperature gauge on your vehicle go up and up and up, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, my gosh, I'm, not, I'm just not going to make it. Well, there is such a thing as called preventive maintenance, okay? And we think, okay, 140 degrees. 140 degrees is nothing under the hood. It's just nothing under the hood. You you figure that your car is running, the thermostat is running around 200 to 212 degrees. That's what you're going to be burning at on these new cars. Okay, so you're 212 already. So they've got this under the bottom, and you think, well, it's 140 degrees on the freeway. That's, that road temperature affects your tires more than it does the engine. If you've got a good clean, service, cooling system, you should be good to go. I've been stuck both directions, one where the temperature is climbing and one where it's running perfect, okay? And I was talking to Mike about that and uh, at Parker Automotive, and he said people need to change their thermostat. The minimum change is when you flush your radiator. Well, the radiator's two years, 24,000 miles. A thermostat works on a little valve that opens up and down. It slides up and down. It's designed to come on slow until it gets open. And that it, it regulates the water pressure going to the radiator. And I never really thought of it this way, but when they slam open because they're partially stuck, and then when you get enough pressure inside the engine where it slams open, it sends a rush of high pressure out into the top of the radiator, and that's when you get the cracks in the top of the radiator, that constant banging. <coughs> so if you haven't changed your thermostat in the last couple of years, that might be one thing that you want to consider with all this temperature that's going on out there. Now, I say that because Parker Automotive is busy. Brian is booked in for about two weeks like he's been for the last year. Simmons four before I tried to get my Ford in to have an air filter change and a cabin air filter change last week, and they told me it would be two and a half weeks because they didn't have any concrete space. I've got an acre, and there's no concrete space in the garage area. The back parking parking area looks like a hospital parking lot. And people are just dropping them off and saying, well, you know, I need to get this fixed. Well, we can't get to it for about two weeks. Well, I'll just leave it here. And they'll drop it off because they don't want to drive it because there's something that had to do with preventive maintenance that they failed to do. Now they're on breakdown maintenance, which means the vehicle takes you to the garage. And it must be pretty serious or you wouldn't drop it off and leave it for two and a half weeks for us to get to it. Same thing with Brian Fuller, same thing with Mike Parker. If you do your preventive maintenance on a regular scheduled maintenance base, put it on your calendar, whatever you've got to do to remember that, oh, well, by the way, this is coming up and I need to pay attention to it. Um, you won't be having these heating problems on the freeways. I know they're there. I know that when you work a vehicle pulling up the mountains, going to Flagstaff, and you're towing a little tent trailer, you're running the mountain, you're running the speed limit, and that thing is really working the transmission, 
the differential, the engine is working really hard. You're going to climb in temperature a little bit. You have to be, you have to get out of the accelerator sometime and slow it down. And people, and diesels pull off a torque. When you get down to the serious stuff, they're on torque, they're pulling. RPMs are not up there. Keep in mind, most of these vehicles have a fan clutch on the front of them. If this fan clutch is worn out and not pulling like it's supposed to, when you get down to the lower RPMs, the amount of air coming through your radiators keep the engine cool while you're sitting there lugging that diesel running at 50 miles an hour, the temperature is going to start climbing up. Been there, done that. So you have to be really patient when you go up these mountains. And if you're going up to Flagstaff on the 4th of July or something like that, anywhere where it's cooler than it is in Phoenix or Tucson, you're going to be running heavy traffic. Guarantee it. Heavy traffic. It's going to be down to 15 mile an hour. You're going to see some 18 wheelers in the right-hand lane that have had to slow down, which means they're down in your first gear, second gear, pulling that hill going up through there. And you're just, and then you've got people coming around the left side of you because you're in the right lane. You've slowed down because you know the traffic's slowing down. And now people are buzzing by you on the left side only to get up there and then both lanes stop. <clears throat> so the heating, the thermostat, if that thermostat is sitting there and it shuts, slam, it closes back down and then it slams open, it closes back down and it slams open. And it's been doing that for quite some time. The chances of you blowing that top of that radiator up, climbing that hill, is going to be pretty. It's going to be a heck of a lot more. Uh, the the probability factor is going to be there. So be sure that you change your thermostat. If you haven't changed that thermostat in four or five years, say, well, you know, it's all right. No, 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 not necessarily. Most of them are fairly easy fix. Get in, get them changed, get a good one. Stay with the same degree that the manufacturer calls for. Uh, used to, and, and I, people still do it, and it just blows me away. They'll take a car that is designed to run a 190-degree thermostat, and they'll put a 160 in it because it's running hot. Fix your heating problem. Don't put a colder thermostat in there to circulate the water because what happens is the Water temperature in the block builds. The thermostat at 190, <coughs> excuse me, is designed to keep the water at 190. If you put a 160 in there, all of a sudden you've got an issue where all the water that's coming, it's not holding long enough in the radiator to cool it back down before it reopens again and circulates again. So you need that time. The 190 holds it a little bit longer. The water gets a chance to cool down in that clean radiator because you've already cleaned all the debris off your radiator before you left for this trip, right? So that's one thing that you want to watch. Your transmission. Transmission is going to heat according to the engine. So it's as Jim and I were talking last week, it's not uncommon to see a transmission up around 275, 280, 300, 325 on some motorhomes, guys are reporting 350 on a motorhome pulling up through there because the load is big, they're running this thing, and it's just lugging right on up the mountain. The engine's starting to overheat. The transmission's starting to overheat because the radiator is hot up front, and that's where most of your coolers are. And if you're fortunate, you've already put a, 
auxiliary transmission cooler on there. But if you're running slow up the road and low RPM, then it's going to be having a little problem there. So people, if you're running a diesel, keep that thing around 2,100 RPM to 2,400 RPM. If you see a big hill and you know it's going to pull down because you've done it before, <clears throat> pull it down in direct drive or even second gear to, and keep it between 2,100 and 2,400 and pull on out. If you go around 2,800, 2,900 on a diesel, what you're going to do, the EGT, exhaust gas temperatures, is going to come up on the turbo, and then you're going to have some heating issues going up a big time. So you want to slow it down, uh, plan your trip, know where you're going, know how long it takes you to get there. If you need to get there earlier, leave sooner. But it's going to be real critical when you get to pulling these mountains and running these roads at 110, 113 degrees ambient temperature with the roads being 150, 160, 167. Uh, you know, that stuff is a player, a big player, and you must pay attention or you're going to be sitting on the side of the road waiting for Frontier Towing to come and get you, and you're going to be miserable. Okay. I'm ready. What What do you want to add to that, Jumbo? Uh, there is no place mi more miserable than sitting on the side of a freeway at 115 outside and the road uh, putting out 150 degree temperatures. Um, so yeah, the cool the cooling system that you know that was that's a really interesting concept. I hadn't even thought about that, but I've seen hundreds of radiators with the, that have blown with the top tank, you know, just completely. Uh, shredded from, you can tell the, you can tell it just got really hot. And I always looked at them and thought, well, this is really strange. Why would the manufacturer build it in such a way that the top tank would just crack open? Because you can just see the crack right down the middle. And you're thinking, well, I don't understand why that would happen. And the, the thermostat concept, that's actually a really, really good idea. Because, uh, that makes a lot of sense for, um, for why the top tanks crack. Because, they don't build it that way, but it's not their fault. You didn't maintain it. So, um, and yeah, if you don't think traffic's going to come to a standstill, uh, if you're heading to Flagstaff, when you come out of when you come out of Phoenix and heading up 17, where she comes down from four lanes to three lanes to two lanes, you can rest assured you're going to be an hour and a half where the traffic merges in. There's no wreck. There's no there's nobody on the side of the road. It's just that cramped. It's just that busy. So when you're sitting around going, well, I don't understand what the problem is. The problem is there's a lot of traffic. So, um, but yeah, maintain your cooling system. We see a lot of cooling system failures out there for right now. See a lot of, we see a lot of everything. And as far as shops are gone, uh, dealerships are busy. Uh, everybody's busy. I, we, their cars are stacked in the alley. They're stacked in the, in the back because, their cars are breaking down left and right. People like like you know Jerry, my, uh, uh, Parker knows, um, Brian knows. Parts ain't always available, just like you think they they should be. Uh, you know, Amazon can't get them here. <laughs> there there's no parts to get. So um, yeah, if you haven't tried to do a little maintenance before you go, um, trying to do it on the last day probably is not gonna probably not gonna make work for you. So get out and check it now we have uh two weeks two weeks before uh, uh, on sunday little hint 
another little hint. Uh, you know, uh, my Honda, I had to replace some cooling uh, uh, fan regulators and stuff like that here a while back. And the indicator on that was when I'm sitting idling, it was blowing almost warm. I mean, it was just really ridiculous. <clears throat> when you're in the traffic like that, you don't want to sit there with your high t- with your coldest setting on the air conditioning compressor, because the 134A builds head pressure really high. So if you'll back it down a notch or two. Yeah, it's not going to be as cold as you're used to having. It may not be 68 degrees inside your cabin. It may go up to 75. But it also takes the stress off your air conditioning compressor. So keep in mind, the Omaha, the way I found out what the problem was, is I could set it to stoplight, and it'd start blowing a little warm air. It wasn't quite as cool as it was. I said, wow, it must be low and free on or something. But yet I could get up to 40 miles an hour driving down the streets of Tucson, and the air conditioning was cold as it could be, just perfectly going on. So when I got to the house, I thought, okay, I got a fan that's not working properly. I open the hood. I turn the air conditioning on wide open. I turn the engine on. I get out, I look, the left side engine fan is working, the right side air conditioning fan is not working. Now, if you're driving uh, one of the engines that has the clutch on the uh, fan clutch, a fan, uh, I was told that a fan clutch loses about anywhere from 1,000 to 1,700 RPM revolutions per minute per year. So if you've got one that's six or seven years old, theoretically, it's probably worn out. Now, when you're running speed down the freeway and you're not having a heating issue, it's, you've got good airflow coming through just from the wind. You've got 55, 60-mile-an-hour wind coming to the front end of that thing. But when you're in traffic, you don't have it because this fan is – the clutch in the fan itself is worn out. And – you just you're not pulling the air to keep that thing cool. You say, well, why does it heat in town and it don't heat on the freeway? There's your answer. It's called airflow. And if you take the airflow and then let's add a lazy thermostat to it and a partially plugged radiator, that that just piles on. And first thing you know, now you know why you've got a heating problem. Uh, blown head gaskets, we don't see near the blown head gaskets we used to. If you overheat that thing, you'll see intake manifolds warping. Uh, you can blow a heat gasket. If you remember what I said about taking my fist and hitting the side of this guaranteed for life plastic fence that I've got up around my arena, you will remember what I said about the UVs. That is a plastic radiator top, most of them are now, that you have in your car. If you add the shock every time the thermostat opens to that plastic radiator top that is sitting there sucking in the UVs, uh, then it's it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And this is called Education 101. I finally figured out that's what we can name the show, Education 101. 
or a checkup from a neck up. <coughs> a lot of you guys, technicians out there already know this stuff. Uh, that's the reason that the technicians, if they go out on the side of the freeway, they're a little more stubborn than most people are. They'll say, hey, if it breaks, I can fix it. You blow top off a radiator, you're not going to fix it. <laughs> you're going to no. be calling Frontier Towing to come and get you. <laughs> so, and the uh, radiator coolant, let's get into that just a little bit because people have a tendency, uh, auto repair is tied to economics. For most people, they'll say, "Okay, well, I'm just going to get. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do this uh, right now. I'll just, I'll just wait a little while, <clears throat> and uh, so I won't, I won't do it." Well, just remember what I said earlier about the difference between breakdown maintenance and preventive maintenance. Preventive maintenance. If you do preventive maintenance, now Automotive Service Association run a 10-year survey on this. They come back and said, if you do preventive maintenance on the automobile, the way it's supposed to be done, then preventive maintenance don't mean the regular maintenance that they list in the automotive manual because or automotive uh, book, uh, owner's manual, because they can't list all of the scenarios that can go down to stop you on the side of the road. When it gets down to the, uh, they'll say, okay, at 30,000 miles, you need a special check. At 60,000, you need another special check. <coughs> and then it goes 90,000 and 100,000. And then 120,000. So if you take care of everything in between that, and you think about it, you've been driving a while, you know what's going to go on, or you have your kids are driving their cars, but yet you're the ones with the experience. You can tell your kids, like I tell mine, and they said, oh, Dad, I've already taken care of that. Okay, good. Or, oh, Dad, oh, crap, I forgot about that. That is a world of difference. Oil changes is designed. If you get an oil change, an oil change should be an oil service. If you take it into any three of the shops that are advertised on this program, Brian Fuller's Place, Simmons Place, and Mike Parker's Parker Automotive, if you take it to any of those three places, for an oil service, you'll not only get the oil, you will get an oil service, which is a brake check, fluid checks, anything else that they spot, it may need to be fixed. And have a, and most of them, in fact, I know all three of them do, they'll, check, they'll inspect your serpentine belt. You get out on the freeway with a bad belt, and all of that temperature is building up in everywhere, and then you get stuck in traffic, and that tired belt that has all the cracks in it that wasn't there from the factory starts taking its uh, little toll. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you've got a broken belt. How many of you carry an extra spare serpentine belt with you, just in case? Uh, if you have a brand-new belt, that's good. But if I'm going on a trip under my front seat in case anybody travels and see me broken down on the side of the road and I've lost a serpentine belt, you will find another belt that will fit that unit. So that's that's just a little preparation before trip. You kind of have to guesstimate what could possibly happen. You need to do a scenario. What happens if? What happens if I have a flat tire? Is my spare tire, does it have air in it? Is it 15 years old, or is it the same age of the tires that I have on this vehicle? Because that tire, most of them ride on the back end down toward the road, 
and you don't pay any attention to them. And then if you've got that little donut tire, oh, I can put it on. I'm only 200 miles from the nearest tire shop. I can put this little donut tire on there and it'll make it. Not if it's low on air pressure, it won't. So donut tires are designed to run 55 miles before you replace them. I mean, that's it. That's the life. I've seen them run around Tucson. On one little car I was paying attention to back when I was running to the shop every morning, and that guy run a tire, and it was two weeks when I quit counting. Now, I don't know how far he had to drive to work, but I know that that right rear was a donut tire because the car was actually sitting sideways. <laughs> so, you know, you have to pay attention to the little stuff like that before it happens, before it happens. So if you do nothing else but check your records, find out when your thermostat was replaced, uh, and if you haven't maintained your vehicle, remember it. Man up, woman up, or whatever you want to call it, and say, okay, I haven't really maintained this vehicle in the last two years. I'm getting ready to take a long trip with it right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff on it because there's a lot of stuff that I put off on it because that's ah, still running. I can get a, I can get another couple of days out of it or a month or two months. And besides, I'm so close to home, I can walk. Well, can you walk from Casa Grande to Tucson? I don't think so. Well, not going to be a while. <laughs> You'll be a good yeah. shape. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, and your emergency and you ta- road you, kit. You talk. You talk about breakdown maintenance, Jerry. Buy tires on the road. If you think that you're going to spend, you think it's cheap to buy uh, tires now. Wait till you buy one on the side of the road. First off, well, let's hope you can find a tire. Because, you know, when you go in and say, well, I want this brand or this brand, what you get is the one that's black and round with a hole in the center. And you're going to pay for it. And you're probably going to pay four or five times more than you would pay from anybody in town. Because you get to be the, the guy who has to have it immediately on the side of the road. And you're not at that point, you're not going to care and you're not going to have the option to go, well, I think I'll go shopping for that another type of tire. I, you don't have that luxury. The guy's going to, you're going to have a flat tire. You didn't have a good spare. You're going to tell, the guy's going to tell you to a shop because the first thing we get is the closest tire shop. You're on I-10. The closest, well, first off, it's a Sunday. It's 4th of July Sunday. The closest tire shop. How many are open on the 4th of July Sunday? Probably not very many. You might find one. Um, and if you do, you're going to pray that he has a tire that will fit your vehicle. And at that point, price is no longer your primary concern, getting the vehicle repaired. So right. when you when you get all done and it's $1,000 for that uh, 235, 16 tire, you're going to be like, wow, I could have bought all four. Yeah, do them before you go. Check them before you go. Be prepared. Spare tire. Cause, cause Let's talk spare tire, yeah. Let's talk the donut tire. Let's talk about the donut tire. Let's talk the about the kind of fix a flat you've got in a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm as know, serious as a heart a attack on this. Oh, my God. Get something that will carry you the rest of the way through your trip. You know, if you're running a donut tire, I've already told you what the mileage is on that thing. You're going to be looking for somebody at a tire shop that's not open because the area that you're going to be in will be 
probably at about the time that all of the repair centers are closed for the weekend. And so you're going to be sitting there going, okay, well, I need a tire. And like uh, Jim says, if you're lucky enough to find a repair center, maybe you can find a garage that has a used tire that he took off of somebody else's uh, uh, car that just happens to be round with a hole in the center of it that might match the size that you have on your vehicles. Hopefully, you don't have a podgy track rear end. And if you do, you're going to have to use a front tire on it. And you you can try to get you get yourself out of a jam that way. I've come back from Yuma, and it took us seven hours to drive back to Tucson because four you four old tires. They weren't they they looked good from the outside. I mean, you just glance at it. it wasn't on my trailer anyway, but I was there to help them. We had to go back into Yuma fifty miles to just find a used tire. We bought two. We blew four tires before we got to Tucson. The last one was on the uh, Speedway exit, just before you get the Speedway exit on I-10. They pulled off there. They stopped at a service station that wasn't open, of course, because it's like 1.30 in the morning. And they, you know, they, they were stuck. And then she was close enough to home where she could call her husband and then he pulled a couple of tires off another trailer they had there, brought them down, switched them out, and they got on in. That's what they told me. I really didn't stick around to see the process. I waited until I made sure she was okay and she was safe. And when he showed up with a couple of tires, I said, all right, I've got to get home and get these horses out of the trailer because that was a long, long trip. And I called her and told her, if you don't replace those tires, you're not going to tow with us anywhere anymore. And so when we car, when the next trip come, guess who was out inspecting tires before we left? Me and the owners of the vehicles were looking at trailer tires before we ever left the parking, the rendezvous place. And there's there was a reason for it. We've been there. We've done that. We've seen this stuff. You can't guarantee a safe trip or a uneventful trip. You cannot guarantee that. If you want to guarantee, go buy a toaster. You cannot guarantee, one, that you're not going to have a heating issue, maybe not overheat, but a heating issue because you're towing. You just need to be aware of it, and you need to know the difference. Uh, when that thing goes to the red on the heat indicator, that means you need to pull off the side of the road and see if there's something obvious that's gone wrong with it. That's the reason you need to have uh, extra water that you're ca carrying in case it loses water. If you don't lose water out of a radiator and you checked it before you left and you're not losing water out of a radiator, then uh, your heating is because you're overstressing the engine and the powertrain you got in it, okay? So you can, you can slow down. But don't forget the fan clutch on the front of these engines. I would replace that fan clutch at about uh, 60,000 60, miles. I think I'd be, well, you can check them, but they're kind of hard to check because they run on uh, based on temperature. But <clears throat> check them. You can see if there's any lube coming out of them on the older ones. Uh, now they've got computer controlled everything on them. They got electric fans. They got everything else. 
A lot of the vehicles, most of the vehicles on the little cars really don't have a fan clutch. It's controlled by computer. Um, or they have, uh, they have, yeah, well, they have them, but they're computer controlled. So, but the old ones, and when you get one, don't shop for the cheapest one. You will hate yourself. I'll guarantee it. You will hate yourself. Get a good one. You go into a parts out, it says heavy duty. Well, that's probably a marketing ploy. Is it going to be a real heavy duty or is it a real cheap, inexpensive clutch? Don't buy it. It's too critical. All right, we got about a minute to go in this segment, and I haven't even give out the phone number, 719-1490, 719 and mainly because uh, I wanted to get a message across to you about this, give you a thinking part uh, or a thought process. Then the second hour, you can come in with anything that you have run across while you're on the freeway, anything that you have that you personally have experienced that you'd like to share with the rest of the listening audience. So um, we'll be back in uh, about a couple of minutes here shortly. 719-1490. Please join us down here. We do have a lot of other stuff that I want to get to on this, but you've heard it before if you've been listening to this station. But a good student, according to Stanford University, you have to tell them four times. So we're going to keep bringing this stuff up, but we're going to cover some additional problems that you can run up against. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> 